tell you, I spent a couple of days trying to figure out what to say about Raw, and I think what I've finally figured out to say about Raw is, fuck Raw. Whatever it is they tried to do following this pay-per-view is complete bullshit. You know, I started this podcast because there's too many naysayers, there's too many stands, and I was usually somewhere in the middle. But this particular weekend was a little bit overwhelming in the amount of wrestling we were given. And for WWE to add the crowd noise, make it seem like the priority of Monday night was to set up payback, which I get, right? You got six days to a pay-per-view, but you don't even make sense about it. All right, uh, I'm cool with it. The, the, the Keith Lee, Randy Orton one, that's fine. I'm not necessarily cool with Drew being removed from TV, but I'm okay with how the Randy Orton, Keith Lee stuff came about. I am perfectly not okay with Nia and Shannon Baszler. That is some fucking bullshit. For me, if I get punched in the face by somebody, I could give a fuck who's la- laughing at me about it. That means nothing to me. What means something to me is somebody who punched me in the fucking face. And then not only that, Shayna only agrees to the match because Nia will then get off her back. Bullshit. Shayna's a straight-up MMA fighter. And Nia Jax is a former model who happens to be six foot and a couple hundred pounds. And that's no offense to Nia. At all. I like Nia in what she was. But when you attack Shayna Baszler, who is legit MMA... You do not get away by just being big. I'm sorry. That shit don't work for me. Not only that, if anybody else watched the very first Mae Young Classic, you know who beat Shayna Baszler for Shayna Baszler's first loss in WWE? Kyrie Sane. Shayna's not afraid of anyone. She's not afraid to take an L from anyone, as long as the L makes sense. But getting taken to task by Nia Jax? Get off my back? I'll team with you as long as you get off my back? Bullshit. Bullshit. If Shayna wanted to, she could break Nia down. Easy. There's a legendary story about Ken Shamrock taking down the Big Show. Big Show walked into the locker room, poked Shamrock in his chest. Who are you? Put Big Show on the ground. If you got the skills, size don't matter. Now, yes, pound for pound is a ranking for a reason if you have the same skill sets. But in wrestling, you have different types of skill sets. I don't know if how many of you played WWE champions, but they broke it down into six skill sets. Showboat, people who can talk and make it believable. Technician, wrestlers with crisp moves. Acrobat, self-explanatory, right? Trickster, perfect heels, right? Powerhouses, those who just do big brooding moves. And strikers, strikers who, you know, got all the chops and, you know, punches and kicks and shit like that. So, like, you got someone like Nia who's a powerhouse, but you have Shayna who's a striker. But Shane is also a technician because she did that shit for real life. But this is the this is what you want to sell us? Is that Shane is afraid of Nia, but the only way to get her on her side is to tag with her for the tag champions? I'm good. Why don't they fucking walk up to each other in the back and go, yo, you're strong. I'm dominant. Let's go out there, beat these bitches up, take the belts at payback. Not, I think we can win, so we should team up. I'll only team up if you don't beat my ass. Fuck that. But anyway, I got too far before I exercised my biggest fucking disappointment. And I'm sorry for all the Fs, but I'm not. Like, I label my shit explicit because 
I didn't want to censor myself on the podcast. In general conversation, even if I'm having the happiest stuff, honestly, even if I'm explaining stuff to my six-year-old kid, I don't mind saying, but you fucked up, man. Because the reality is, in real life, the way shit goes, people talk in a way that puts emphasis on certain things. So, with that being said, Raw blew my fucking mind tonight. The pumped-in crowd noise did the worst. Worst for the perception of this fucking program. I absolutely love the Thunderdome look. It is perfect. Like I said on the recaps, when you have the fan screens in the background, regardless of what's on them besides the racist bullshit that these motherfuckers put out there, we, we, we just can't have anything good. That, that's the fucking point when it comes to wrestling. You got assholes who want to fucking complain about Keith Lee's fucking entrance music instead of worrying about him wrestling Randy Orton, who literally, if you wanted to be a non-asshole, can be considered top five wrestler of all time. That's who Keith Lee debuted against. Not only that, he's in the peak of his fucking career. Randy Orton, considered by many, in the peak of his fucking career right now. Your boy, if you a real fan, Keith Lee began his main roster career against Randy Orton. Oh, why you cover him up? Why you change his theme song? Look, I said it on the NXT recap. Dope ass song. But you know what we got from a main roster debut by Keith Lee? It starts out, bask in his glory, and then it goes into the song. So it hooks you in the beginning. It goes into a song while he's walking to the ring. He gets to the ring. He does whatever the fuck he wants to do. Yes, they covered him up. But you know what they covered him up in? Standard neoprene workout gear. They didn't put him in a, a fucking half-ass t-shirt like they did Asuka. They didn't put him in a regular gym shirt like... KO did. Like, I'm sure that he got something in the middle in what was talked about. So, what's to fucking complain about? If you just watch instead of complain, then you should be good money. But, everybody's got a fucking opinion. And hey, that's cool. That's what Twitter's about. But, at first, it really fucking bothered me. But then, Keith Lee himself shows up on Twitter and goes, let me worry about that. Why did they change your theme song? Don't worry about that. Why did they cover you up? Don't worry about that. I got that. Check out the fact that I'm wrestling Randy Orton. Like, if you were a real fan, and I believe it, believe it, I'm not the one to call Keith Lee, I'm the OG. Because I'm not. I said it before. David Shoemaker put me up on game. And you know what? Thank you, sir. Thank you, David Shoemaker. Because ever since this time I've seen Keith Lee show up on NXT, been a fan. Guy puts in work. This motherfucker could come out with a tutu and a gorilla mask. I don't give a fuck. You know why? Because the guy can go. And he can wrestle. And this motherfucker said greetings and salutations in his smooth operator voice. And Randy Orton gave him a look, and I was sold. You know why? Because Randy Orton ate it up the way we should. Pay attention to talent. Enjoy what the fuck they do. And stop worrying about the bullshit. A song is a song. And if the entrance music in NXT, by the way, is probably a minute and a half. On Raw, it's about two and a half. You get an extra minute. Of basking in the fucking glory of somebody that you like. But you're going to complain about it. There's the fucking terrible take of Monday. My take, crowd noise is bullshit. Everyone else's take, why they changed Keith Lee's music. Fuck that. Not only that, check this shit out. You know whose voice that was in Keith Lee's music? It was fucking Keith Lee. You don't think he had a choice in what was happening? If they told him, we got to change your song, he goes, nah. Look, we're changing your song, but you're going to do the lyrics. Okay. 
let it be what it is. Because at the end of the day, there's probably, what, three entrances that you remember ever? Number one entrance of all time is the Undertaker and whatever he wants to do. Number two, Ultimate Warrior. Runs to the ring, shakes the rope, the fucking music. I ain't Sam Roberts. I ain't going to do fucking themes, but you know what I'm getting at. Number three. Oh, you didn't know? That's it. That's it. There are no entrances that actually fucking matter. Yes, Steve Austin, Glass Breaks, BMF Walk. Get it. Entrance music, The Rock, yes, if you smell. There's nothing that matters except for what happens when the music drops. When Steve Austin turned heel after WrestleMania 17, the glass broke, some bullshit song came on that nobody fucking remembers. All that mattered, the glass broke, BMF walk. It could have been whatever the fuck it needed to be. I rewatched after WrestleMania 17 with the heel turn, and I go, yeah, I don't remember this. But you know what I remember? Steve Austin kicking people's ass. Like, the overthinking of this stuff is what makes the wrestling fans so jaded that they get pissed off for no reason. But the reason why I'm pissed off tonight is that it started with the crowd noise. And I told my wife, I said, I don't know if I have enough to talk about when it comes to Raw. And it was basically just because the crowd noise that they piped in put me to sleep. I missed the Keith Lee-Randy Orton match. I only saw half the promo. I fell asleep. The crowd noise was like, fuck. I couldn't even stay up for the fucking Lakers versus Blazers and watch them both side by side. Instead, I fell asleep, wondering why they did the fucking crowd noise the way they did. And again, I'm sorry for all the Fs, but this is me on an explicit podcast, pre-warned. This is how I feel. But that's, that's the thing. This Terrible Wrestling Takes podcast is my views, my opinions. I, man, I can't wait to have a, a base of fans that go, hey man, that was probably a little too much, you should have backed off. And on the next podcast, I go, look man, they, they reached out, I'm, I'm sorry, I got a little heated, you know, is what it is. And, and I kind of feel that way now, like, I'm trying to rein it in, but it's not working. And it's because there's too many fans that address the music, when the music is literally, fuck man, maybe 10% of his screen doesn't matter. If you care how someone looks, as opposed to how they wrestle, that's what everyone complains about Vince McMahon. He's a body guy. Why isn't he yoked? Dude's got fucking muscles on his earlobes. That's why Vince likes him. So Vince wants him to wear a neoprene workout shirt. So that stops you from watching him in the ring. You're an asshole. And if you think that I'm wrong for calling you an asshole, chalk it up to a terrible wrestling tape. But that's what this podcast is. This is me telling you how the fuck I feel. I couldn't be happier for Keith Lee. I don't care if this dude wrestles butt-ass naked because when he does any fucking move he wants to, I ain't looking at his balls. I'm looking at the moves. Doesn't matter if he was wearing shorts that look like a skirt or a fucking muscle tee or he's wearing the trunks he wore in NXT. It doesn't matter. Keith Lee is Keith Lee. He is limitless. And you can enjoy watching him. If you don't want to, then don't. But I enjoy watching him. So I'm going to watch when he's on screen. Unless they keep piping in this fucking crowd noise. And it just takes me out of it. It really does. Drew McIntyre came out after winning a match against Randy Orton. Cutting a pretty decent promo. A little bit too overacted. Because you knew Randy Orton was coming based on how he was talking. But beyond that, that Scottish voice with the accent saying Thunderdome. 
was phenomenal. I was like, oh shit, that's the guy who needs to say Thunderdome all the time. But there's this crowd noise in the background that's basically booing Drew McIntyre. The crowd noise is trash. Should have never fucking happened. And it took me out of actually enjoying the episode for fucking three days. But with that being said, it, it, it just, it didn't do it for me. To circle back around though, the Bailey Shayna match, I'm watching it and I go, again, like, hey, get, I'm a stand for women's wrestling, I guess. I don't know. I was like, these, these girls can go. They are doing it. Shayna is selling for Bailey. Bailey looks stronger than she's ever had. She's using technical moves to put Shayna in her place, not allowing Shayna to get off her strikes. What does Shayna usually do when she starts out a match against someone she feels might have something? She chops out the legs. She didn't do that in this match. She didn't get a chance to. You know, like that. <laughs> that's the way. Like you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It, it just it was a really good match to start, and then Nia comes in, punches her in the face, flips her over. You know, it's like it was about ninety five percent. Naya, 5% Shayna, and then they agreed to tag together. It fucking drove me nuts. And I'm not a purist, but if you're going to sell me that SummerSlam is big for pay-per-view, then don't don't let them walk away with more to do. For instance, um, there was no finite finish to any fucking match. You know? I thought, I thought it was the abolishment of... Street Profits versus Garza and Andrade. But then Montez Ford has a match against Angel Garza. And I'm like, so what the fuck was the point of SummerSlam? All right, I'm going to try to do the rest of the episode without getting heated. Um, I'm going to try to do no more fucks after this. But hey, no promises, right? This isn't terrible wrestling takes by the people who feel like listening. This is terrible t- terrible wrestling takes by me and you know the the most terrible part about wrestling so far this week has been raw's ability to fucking use crowd noise turn it down sorry for the f that's the last one moving on from montez ford all right so on a brighter note the stuff that i actually enjoyed coming out of this episode of Monday Night Raw, uh, KO and Aleister Black. I mean, look, if I was built like a wrestler, I'm built like KO. If I had a choice to wear something that a wrestler wears, I would live my life in gym shorts and t-shirts. So shout out to KO for being dope in everything he does. <laughs> my wife and I actually went to a house show. We were sitting front row and it was KO versus Sami Zayn leading into, um, Fuck, I can't remember the pay-per-view, but it was an August pay-per-view. And it was the night that uh, The Shield... No, it was the first pay-per-view match after Roman Reigns had the medical suspension. Anyway, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. Kevin Owens comes to the side of the guardrail. We're sitting front row. We got lucky enough to hit tickets as soon as it dropped. Kevin Owens bangs into the fucking guardrail. I go, I got your back, homie. He goes, no, you don't. (laughs) It was the coolest thing. And uh, this Kevin Owens, Aleister Black thing, I'm here for all of it. Uh, Both guys completely understand in ring what wrestling's about. They bring their individual style of wrestling to a match. And they can do it with anyone. Aleister Black, not as much as Kevin Owens. But I have a strong feeling that Aleister Black and Kevin Owens would do some 
pretty fucking good wrestling matches together. Here I go with the Fs again, man. I'm really sorry if it's something that offends you. Um, it's just the way I talk. And, you know, I, I'm really excited to do this podcast venture because it's been on my mind for five years, six years now. And I really thought it's something I could bring a uniqueness to. So if the fucks are a problem, let me know. Uh, if they're not, also let me know because I'm just trying to be me. But with that being said, the Aleister Black and Kevin Owens stuff, I'm, I'm ready for that match. I just want to watch it and see what's up. Um, I doubt they would give us the amount of Aleister Black, Kevin Owens, as they gave us Aleister Black, uh, Buddy Murphy, but, you know, whatever. Also, this this Lana Natty stuff. Look, uh, Natty was also at that house show, and she wrestled Alicia Fox. And we actually saw Alicia Fox at a TGI Fridays afterwards, and we spent some time with her. We actually sat down and and talked with her for Man, what felt like hours. I mean, we definitely got kicked out of the bar because they were closing and we were sitting there. But, you know, one of the things we talked about was, you know, the re- I'm not burying Natty, but the respect she got in the locker room as an in-ring technician. Now, Alicia did say that, you know, she had a ton of support for her knowledge of it, but the execution was what some of the girls worried about. Now, this is this is over four years ago, so take it with a grain of salt and also from alicia fox who no longer wrestles with wwe but nonetheless there you know it was kind of like you know because i thought alicia fox was like hey um not for nothing but i heard natty calling out a bunch of moves you know and that's kind of what they complained about but anyway this natty lana stuff like I'm, i'm actually here for it because i had a jaded view of natty since the alicia fox conversation it's like oh all the bad stuff that i said that she laughed at is now true which you know of course it's not per se, you know, I got a problem with Natty Sharpshooter, her legs are too wide on it, and it doesn't look as impactful, because, you know, if you want to put as much weight as possible on someone, you're going to stand a little bit closer together, but that's semantics, right, that's me reading into it as a fan, you know, the thing I really wanted to, to talk about at this point is the particular work that Natty and Lana are doing on TV, and even though some of it's taken to social media, I'm not too worried about it, because I don't follow wrestling per se on social media. I like to interact with you guys on there to kind of see what you guys are feeling out, but I'm not going to read into a storyline on social media. It does nothing for me. So what I'm seeing on TV is them trying to build something different, and I'm all for three people who haven't gotten screen time to get screen time. Show me something. You know, I remember Enzo Amori being on Steve Austin's podcast talking about the last night that he worked at WWE, and he was scheduled for, I think, like 7 out of 21 segments or something like that. You have one guy going on a third of the show, yet you have a whole roster of talent not getting airtime. So, technically, I don't care what people do on TV as long as I get to see different people on TV. When I first started back, every show would start with a 25-minute promo segment with no wrestling. Some of the shows would have a full hour before wrestling ever happened. Well, there you're wasting your talent. There you're wasting your time. The fuck, man. What's what's an eight-minute wrestling match in an hour? Do three of them. You're still less than a half an hour. You can still have a 20-minute promo segment. Have some matches. Show us some stuff. Show us some athletes. Show us some characters that we might get excited. And that, you know, so yeah, give the Lana Natty stuff room to breathe. Mickey James comes out does her thing, it's over, 
everybody looks the part they're supposed to. Mickey looks strong. Lana and Natty look like the assholes that they're portraying. It's perfect, you know? Same thing with the arm, arm wrestling match. Man, I don't know how to fit in Bobby Lashley and Apollo Crews. Let's do an arm, arm wrestling match. Let's have the entire segment take up five minutes of the three hours we have. Okay, done. Done. And it was creative. Stomp on a foot by Apollo Crews to win an arm wrestling match. And the only thing that threw me off is that Bobby Lashley throws a table to talk shit to Mark Henry. Yet Apollo Crews is standing right across from him. Doesn't move until Lashley gets past him. I'd attacked Apollo if I'm Bobby, right? But I, anyway, I'm not too excited for the match at Payback. I'm going to watch. Um, hopefully it's good, you know. But this is where you have to be real about it. Bobby Lashley is massive, legit MMA, MMA background. Apollo Crews is super athletic, super strong. Where are we going to meet in the middle to have a very positive strength versus strength wrestling match? Something where they both look strong and each person's moves does something to the other one. So also in the land of things that felt gratuitous, we have Sasha versus Asuka in a lumberjack match or lumberjill match, whatever you want to call it. And again, the technical stuff, when they put hands on each other, it all looks great. But when you add a gimmick in there and they got to run around, jump around, it's a, it's a fucking waste of time. The amount of rematches on this show, or at least the people who locked up the night before, guess what they're going to do on Saturday? They're going to lock up again. I, I just, I'm not here for it. Uh, I, I'm just not. But I, I fucks with Asuka. I fucks with Sasha. Don't care who has the belt, like I said. I prefer Asuka have uh, SmackDowns, but I don't write the show. It's it's a shame that they got the little time that they did, but in the time that they did wrestle, they show you that, again, women's, women's matches can be super entertaining. After that, we had the Dominic Mysterio-Rey Mysterio match, and I don't know what to think of this angle. I mean, I get it, but when do things become counterintuitive, and when do you just do the storyline for the sake of doing the storyline? And that answer seems to be, as of now, when Retribution shows up. Uh, it was a pretty decent match. Again, we get to see some more of Dominic's skill set. There was no, you know, uh, will they, won't they break up drama between Ray and Dominic, which is fine. But again, it makes you wonder where the storyline is going. But Retribution shows up, wreaks havoc, and ends the show on top. And again, that's okay, but we're, we've only gotten a hint that maybe The Miz is a part of it, you know, because he came out late on Friday. And we're definitely seeing a little bit more defining character characteristics about the people who are in Retribution. But I'm not going to do the research to apply to see what body type fits underneath the hood. I'm not going to look through magazines to see who might be the leader of it and all that. I'm trying to let it play out and, and kind of get a, a full construct construct to it. But what's hard about doing that now is that they're not really giving you anything except for they show up in black, they don't take they don't take the ass whooping, and you may or may not be safe. So there seems to be no rhyme or reason. Other than that, it's it's a decent angle. Especially when they did something like to uh, on Monday's episode where they paid homage to the NWO and they uh, threw Rey Mysterio like a lawn dart. 
into the ring post where NWO did it into the trailer that time. Other than that, again, man, the, the damn crowd noise really took me out of it. Um, I was not excited. It was very upsetting. I hope they get rid of it. I hope they fix it. Uh, you know, beyond that episode of Raw, it, it just didn't do it for me. Crowd noise took it out. All the ups and downs that would happen. Where are we going? Well, obviously we're going to payback. After payback, hopefully we start hitting a new stride. Because Survivor Series is right around the corner. But there it is. My terrible wrestling takes. I'm the bishop of them. If you got something to say, hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. TW Takes Podcast. Shoot me an email. BishopTWTakes at gmail.com. If you review, please do. If you rate and you feel like it, go for it. If you don't, it is what it is. Check me out anywhere you want. I'm going to keep doing these. I'm, I'm actually having a good time. And I feel like they're getting a little bit better. If you got any feedback, let me know. If not, no big deal. Until next time.